The Friday of Memorial Day weekend was cloudy and decidedly chilly. Not whether that inspired me to garden or go to the beach, but to stay home and phone some friends to catch up a bit after a very busy spring. One of those friends, a minister, said, First Parish in Concord is looking for a minister for pastoral care. I was rather surprised when I paused and then heard myself say with real conviction, I'm available. (laughs) Up until that moment, I did not know that I was available. (laughs) Then I remembered a statement by psychologist Rollo May that fascinates me. He wrote, freedom is the ability to pause between stimulus and response, and in the pause, choose. This seems to me to be a very complex spiritual practice, disguised as a simple statement. If it is only in our ability to pause that we can hear ourselves and others, then the ability to pause and listen is the most important choice we can make. And it is our gateway to true freedom. The problem, my problem anyway, is in remembering to pause in a world that is fast-paced, where the noise and distractions are a perfect recipe for generating the anxiety characteristic of our age. A time and place for silence is helpful, though it is very hard to find When I say silence, though, I don't just mean the absence of sound. Some sounds help us foster an inner calm. The lovely music here at First Parish. The sound of waves slapping on the shore or wind blowing through the trees. It's the quality of silence that I'm referring to that takes us to a place that's hard to find in the rush of daily life. It is a place of peace and quiet that my body, mind, and soul requires. But it takes intention and practice to listen in the silence. But if we neglect to do so, we diminish our own life. I love how the Dalai Lama says it. He says, If we pause and listen to our life, we will eventually find it difficult to misuse our life. But last week, I found myself unable to pause or to listen to myself. And then I heard myself say to two different people in one day, that something was uncharacteristic of me. The fact that in the frenzy I was not fully prepared for a meeting or not my usual focused self did not concern me as much as the fact that I was not myself. That's when I realized that in the hubbub of my move here and settling into First Parish, that I had fallen off the wagon of my own daily practice, doing morning pages. 
Morning pages is the practice of writing two pages on anything that comes to mind as soon after rising as you are able. I might write about a dream that I had, the thoughts, uh, my thoughts about an experience of the day before, or hopes or anxieties about the day to come. One of the things that I like about morning pages is the practice of writing about anything in whatever style suits the moment. For someone who finds the discipline of writing challenging, morning pages is liberating. And it is a daily practice that helps me every day to pause and to listen. But remembering to pause and listen to our inner self is often easier than really listening to others. One of the most spiritually challenging things I've ever done is to be a clinic escort at a women's health center in the days before the 75-feet rule. And isn't it sad that those days are returning? I found that when escorting women who were seeking an abortion into the clinic past a group of protesters who carried signs with hateful slogans and graphic disturbing pictures, it was very hard for me not to make them the other. I had an experience with one protester, we'll call him Stanley, that was a revelation to me. Stanley was a particularly vocal protester who would attempt to walk in front of women we were escorting into the building so that he could yell at them about the sin of abortion, what he would, that she would regret this decision for the rest of her life, and so on. I found his aggressive approach and loud voice offensive, and I devised strategies without touching him to keep him away from these women. One time I steered him into a wall without touching him, and I felt proud of myself. (laughs) I noticed my pride in this act of one-upmanship in service to a righteous cause. Stanley had become my enemy, and I had won a battle in our war that morning. Another morning, it was my turn to stand outside the front door of the clinic. The door was in an alcove, and sound bounced off the walls of the alcove, amplifying them. Stanley stood right in front of me and seemed to be yelling even louder than usual that morning. Something, I'm not sure what, made me see Stanley differently in that moment. I took a couple of steps forward and asked quietly, Who yelled at you this way? Who used that tone of voice with you? He stopped yelling. He didn't say anything for a long time. He turned and walked away. He later started up again with his usual monologue 
but not with the same volume or vitriol. That moment when I listened not only to his words and tone of voice, but to all of who he was and to what might have brought him to the clinic that morning was really the first time that I saw Stanley as an individual, not as the other, my enemy. When I spoke with him and saw and felt his reaction, I had compassion for him. It is not by our experiences that we learn. Rather, it's from reflecting on our experiences that we learn. How do you take or create opportunities to pause and to listen? Of course, there are many opportunities here at First Parish, Sunday worship, the reflection time after worship, in a book group, religious education course, or retreat, or writing group, and participating in social justice and service enriches us, particularly when we build in the intentional practice of reflection. It is helpful to think about the experience we've had while driving home by ourselves, but the practice of setting aside even a little time for the process of reflection on the experience that we've had as a group with others can affect us deeply. And reflection helps prevent social action burnout. It's hard to keep fighting for a cause year after year, decade after decade. Of course, I'm thinking this morning about the social, about the climate change march in New York City. It is heartening that the Secretary General of the United Nations, along with senators, former heads of state, celebrities, and hundreds and thousands of us are marching today in support of a strong international climate treaty. There is massive support to do something about climate change. Our job is to be persistent next week, next month, next year, to make sure that world leaders hear the moral message and feel the moral imperative to take action. We are in touch with how deeply we feel about the need for change, but it will take a lot more time and effort on our part to keep the pressure on those who can make the big changes needed. The process of listening in a deep way in the laboratory of our own lives is profound. Being able to touch into yourself and hear your inner voice tells us that there is much, much more to our life than we are capable of understanding in the moment. Knowing who we are and being able to hear our inner call can lead to a life of integrity 
and it can turn our lives in a new direction. Whether it is a slight quartz correction or a major shift. In the process of finding out who we are meant to be, we benefit from those who encourage us. While part of our path must always be walked al alone, when we face moments of doubt and uncertainty, there's nothing like the voice of another to help us have the courage to go forward. Our trusting relationships bring us courage, knowledge, love, and gratitude, and they can empower and humble us. There have been many times when my journey, in my journey when my faith community empowered me. They did so by hearing me and by knowing me. In my late 20s, I belonged to a congregational church that looked a little like this. I haven't seen a balcony in a long time, but here we are again. In that church, I was involved in leading efforts, including a big march in New York City that some of you of a certain age might remember to stop the testing and proliferation of atomic weapons. It worked. I was asked to speak about my experience from the pulpit long, long before I ever thought about going into the ministry. When we reach out to one another, whether it's within our faith community, through social action projects, or when we reach out to those in our own family, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, we are choosing to listen to their need, and that changes us. Listening to the insights that come to us transform our lives, not by virtue of the insight itself, but because of how the insight changes us and our subsequent actions. I think that's what religion or ethical philosophy is all about. Religious historian Karen Armstrong says, Religion is not about accepting 20 impossible things before breakfast, but about doing things that change you. We are being spoken to all the time. The voice, whether it is a voice coming from Mount Sinai or from our own inner wisdom, the voice doesn't stop. Why is that voice continuing to speak? Because our attention is often elsewhere. We just stop listening to it sometimes. May we remember what the Talmud teaches us, that thoughts that come to us from nowhere can be echoes calling us to repent, change something in our life how much we can learn in moments when we really listen. We learn to have patience with life, to better work with it rather than against it. For in listening, we find wisdom. May it be so for all of us.